The world has changed drastically in a week's time, and we as occupational therapy professionals are being asked to change with it. I know that the coronavirus pandemic has meant long, exhausting days, and that we have been left scrambling trying to figure out what a new normal will look like in the weeks ahead. For many of you, telehealth will be part of this new normal, and this is why I wanted to spend this week discussing the AOTA's position paper on telehealth with you. Because no matter how quickly the world changes, I believe that together we can stay grounded in our mission to provide the best care possible to our patients. Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we discuss one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL, and this week we are looking at Telehealth and Occupational Therapy, an AOTA position paper. Uh, For those of you outside of the U.S., the AOTA is the American Occupational Therapy Association. This article was published in the American Journal of Occupational Therapy in 2018. And if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know that we typically work through a list of the 100 most influential OT-related journal articles. But this week, we decided to look at this telehealth article instead in response to the coronavirus pandemic. I wanted to start with just a brief note on the language around telehealth. Per this position paper, telehealth is the recommended term for when OT professionals provide services by way of information and communication technology. That being said, telehealth is technically a a very broad term, and it is helpful to know some of the more specific language to understand all of the ways telehealth can manifest. So in this next section, I am going to break down the different types of telehealth as relates to occupational therapy. And I want to start with the word telerehabilitation. This is a word that is used to describe the delivery of rehabilitation or habilitation by way of information and communication technology. Telerehabilitation is a branch of telehealth, and this telerehabilitation branch kind of encompasses all of the terms that we are about to talk about when they are delivered by a therapy professional. So let's look at these kind of overarching terms, uh, starting with tele-evaluation. As you would probably guess, tele-evaluation is when an evaluation is done through information and communication technology. The article does a good job sharing the different studies that are out there related to occupational therapy and evaluations via telehealth. In the OT Potential Club, I'm going to be linking to all these specific studies, but just for the purpose of the podcast, I want you to know that there are studies out there about tele-evaluation that involve cognitive screening, orthopedic hand assessment, lymphedema assessment, wheelchair prescription, home assessment, and ergonomic assessment. Again, this paper was published in 2018, so I'm sure that more studies have come out in the past two years, but those were the areas that were highlighted by this position paper. The next category within that branch of tele-rehabilitation is tele-intervention. And again, as you can guess, this is the provision of interventions that are preventable, habilitative, or rehabilitative in nature via information and communication technology. Of course, this is the section of the paper that we all probably wanted to know the most about, but unfortunately, for some reason, this was the shortest section of the paper, and for some reason, little guidance was given in this section. 
The next section in the paper is teleconsultation. And this is a term that describes virtual consultation, which may or may not have the client present and may involve some combination of the following parties, a local provider, a remote provider, a durable medical equipment vendor, a prosthetics specialist, a physician, and or a caregiver. And it seems to me that the line between the intervention and consultation terms may be kind of vague. And some of the studies that the position paper highlights may be helpful in guiding intervention as well as consultation. And again, I'll be linking in the OT Potential Club to all of the studies that are highlighted in this section. But for the purpose of the podcast, I do want you to know that there are studies out there related to teleconsultation and home safety and home modification evaluations, prevention and wellness services, ergonomic consultation, pre-admission consultation for patients undergoing total hip and total knee services, support groups for people with chronic conditions, complex pediatric feeding disorders, facilitation of coordination and motor control in children's cerebral palsy, support of school-based services for children with complex medical needs, and finally, occupational-based coaching for caregivers of young children with autism. The next category that the position paper highlights is telemonitoring or remote patient monitoring. So telemonitoring is commonly used within the medical model for chronic disease management. And typically patients' vital signs and other health data such as ADL performance or fall events are sent to a clinician for review to ensure timely monitoring takes place. And there are some reimbursement codes out there for this remote patient monitoring that I honestly am not fully up to date on. So that is definitely something that I hope to be discussing over this next week. The position paper highlighted that there are studies looking at how occupational therapy practitioners have used telemonitoring. And these studies looked at adherence to an intervention program, ADLs, cognitive changes, and fall risks. Okay, so those were kind of the overarching umbrella terms that are related to occupational therapy and telehealth, and hopefully you got an idea of some of the studies that have been done under each of those terms. Now we will shift to looking at just some other topics of interest within telehealth that were highlighted in the position paper, and we'll start with what assessments should therapists be using when delivering telehealth? As therapists make the quick transition to telehealth coverage, sound clinical reasoning will keep playing a role in determining which assessments are appropriate. But I did want to let you know that the position paper highlighted multiple assessments that were studied and found to be reliable when administered through telehealth. And I'm going to read this list just because I think it's really helpful to know. These assessments that were found to be reliable during telehealth include the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, the Mini Mental State Exam, the Functional Reach Test, the European Stroke Scale, the Coleman Evaluation of Living Skills, the Canadian Occupational Performance Measure, the Timed Up and Go Test, the FIM, the JAMAR Dynamometer, the Preston Pinch Gauge, the Nine Hole Peg Test, the Unified Parkinson's Disease Rating Scale, and the Ergonomic Assessment Tool for Arthritis. 
I did want to mention a personal gripe with this section, which I usually try to lead out of the podcast, but I was really confused why no pediatric assessments were mentioned in this section, given that most teletherapy historically has been delivered in the pediatric settings. So I don't know if these assessments just haven't been studied with telehealth and so didn't make this paper or for some reason were left out of this position paper. But I did want to let you know that in light of the lack of pediatric information in this paper, next week on the podcast, we will definitely be intentional about looking at some research related to teletherapy and pediatrics. The next topic addressed by this paper that I know many people have had questions about this past week is what we need to know about supervision in telehealth. When it comes to supervision of students in CODAs, the guidelines dictate that your normal practice of supervision should remain in place when delivering telehealth services. And unfortunately, there's not just one sweeping rule for this. You really have to look at your state or whatever guidelines you are dictated by and follow those for supervision just as you would in your regular practice. The next topic addressed by this paper are ethical considerations in telehealth. I think that right now a common feeling among OT practitioners is that we are having to weigh ethical concerns as we navigate a very fine line. This line becomes increasingly fuzzy as we consider the need to deliver care to our patients and whether doing so would jeopardize the safety of our patients and ourselves. The position paper highlights that occupational therapy practitioners are, of course, still called to adhere to our code of ethics. Here in the United States, that is set for us by the American Occupational Therapy Association, and you can Google those and read that paper if you haven't done so in a while. The position paper also directs readers to the American Telemedicine Association's Principles in Delivering Telerehabilitation Services. This is a really great document, and it outlines administrative, clinical, and technical principles, as well as some ethical principles, which I'm not going to read to you now, but I definitely encourage you to seek out this document because it does um, just provide good guidance as you may be weighing some ethical decisions at your work this week. So what were my takeaways from this position paper for OT practitioners? As always, these are just my personal takeaways. They were not mentioned in the article, and they're really just meant to get your wheels turning about this paper. I have three takeaways, and my first was that when it comes to adopting telehealth, COVID-19 might just be speeding the inevitable. From everything I've read this week about telehealth, it seems that a consistent prediction was that telehealth was eventually going to become a major component of therapy delivery but that the biggest barrier was legislation. And this legislation was moving far more slowly than the rapidly advancing technology solutions. But in just one week, we have seen many of the legislative barriers across the country begin to crumble, as leaders everywhere are looking for new solutions to deliver needed care. So now it seems like our main focus needs to be on ensuring that the reimbursement that we receive reflects the value that we are able to provide. And then also just navigating the logistics of getting set up on telehealth. My second takeaway was that, of course, we always wish that there was more research out there. But honestly, there is way more telehealth research out there than I expected to find. 
We know from looking at the evidence each week on this podcast that we rarely find absolutely perfect answers in research. But we do consistently see that research often provides a helpful jumping off point for your clinical reasoning. And this seems to be the case for telehealth as well. I was pleasantly surprised by the number of articles cited in this position paper. And like I said, this was a 2018 paper. So I expect to be finding even more articles this week as we continue to dig into this telehealth topic. And my third takeaway is just that there are so many details to flesh out still about telehealth. And that is why I am so thankful that we have a forum. Of course, you may finish reading this position paper and find yourself with even more questions than before. And for me personally, I have been more thankful this week than ever for our forums within the OT Potential Club, where we can really dive deep into the specifics about what's happening with our practice. But I also just appreciate the community that we've built, where we can share stories and encourage each other. I will be really curious to hear where you are with telehealth, and I hope that many of you will join us in the OT Potential Club forums. Okay, that is all that I have for you this week. As a reminder, the OT Potential Podcast is an extension of the OT Potential Club. And in this club, we will be discussing telehealth in depth this week. We actually have several threads going on the topic already. One is just dedicated to figuring out the coverage of telehealth, both as far as legislation and reimbursement. Another is dedicated to the logistics of getting set up. And then our other thread will be dedicated to discussing this position paper, but also just best practices that we are finding as we are all in this really interesting moment of collectively trying to shift how we practice. But most importantly today, I just really want to extend my gratitude to you for all that you have done in this past week. I, like I said at the beginning, I know it has been an exhausting week for many of us. It has just been an unprecedented week. And I just thank you for the care that you provide to your patients and for the thoughtfulness that I know goes into that care and for doing things like listening to this podcast and just striving to provide the best care that we can, even when a lot of the circumstances that we're in feel really uncertain. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope that this podcast helps you provide great care this week.